1: This is a podcast from ComediansComedian.com.
0: This is the Comedians Comedian podcast. Hello there and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith and this is the wonderful Jarleth Reagan a fabulous Irish comic who's just recently moved over to the UK with his fabulous wife and tiny family and uh, he is one of the he's, he's one of the genuinely nicest men in comedy you hear that not a lot you hear it a little bit about um, about certain comedians but uh, Jarlath is the if there was a race to find the nicest man in comedy uh, Jarlath would stand aside to let someone else win this is the fabulous Jarlath Reagan <laughs> I mean we're, we're recording this now sitting mm. in your charming house and I've just met your <laughs> fabulous wife and your brilliant son and the first thing I think coming into these surroundings and you know part of why I like if I can recording where people write or where people work part of it is just a vicarious nosy sort of thrill but walking in here uh, the first thing that hits me is just like oh how good is your life oh, not well, it's because it's rented it yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, not because it's expensive or glamorous but because it's kind of Small and humble and happy, and you know you're. I, I think when I was watching back some of your stuff, obviously we gigged together a, a fair bit in the last few years, or a few times yeah. at and I was watching back to some of your stuff on YouTube to to sort of kickstart my memory. And you are you're really nice. You're a really nice guy, and that's a criticism that can yeah. sound critical, and that's often levelled at, at me. People yeah, go, yeah. "Oh, Goldsmiths, ever so nice, isn't it?" Michael Leggs always Ever's trying that, to make I me never understood cross how it's a criticism.
2: I mean, I've heard. I I remember a promoter saying to me that you know, and I know. Oh, look, I get it all the time. I get nice all the time, rubbing my eyes. Um, I just uh, like anybody tr- trying to do this. You are yourself, you try and be as real as possible. Mm-hmm. And I do value nice. I value it a lot. Okay. I think a much more than than a lot of. People would. I think that that whole thing of it's nice to be nice is 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 really important. Sure. Like in this world of absolute cutthroat nonsense, people clambering over each other to get to things. Sure. That's not to say that I intentionally go out there
0: and go, I'm going to be a nice guy. No. But do you think it's but do you think it's an honest your stand up persona is an honest reflection of who you are as a person? Yeah, well, I would say that it was, uh, it's
2: it's definitely me. Yeah, no question about it. It's definitely me. Um, but, you know, it never is finished, is it? Like, you can never say, that's that. Like, you've seen those couple of bits on YouTube. There's probably two decent videos on YouTube yeah. of sets that were fucking pared down and edited and shot. Sure, sure. When in the moment... It's much much looser and freer and a yeah. bit more. There probably is a bit more darkness to it because I've probably come through a lot more since those times. And probably this is it's something that young comics get leveled at them as well as like you're twenty three years old. You've never lived through any hardship. Sure. Probably have now. Yeah. And since we worked together, yes, a couple of years back. Yes. Okay. I've probably been through that and things have changed quite a bit. Okay. So, uh, yeah, but I value nice, but I don't think that it's the defining thing. Sure. So anyway.
0: Do you think, in the, in terms of the comedy industry, do, which is replete with people who are either edgy or difficult or are mm-hmm. pretending to be edgy and, and you know, deliberately being difficult, do you think that nice guys finish last in the comedy industry? Um, I don't know. You see, uh, when's the finish?
2: Is the question. Oh, nice, philosophical. Like <laughs> it, yeah. When's it over? Yeah. Uh, and you know, maybe nice guys don't get to the top of the queue as quickly. Sure. But they do get there. i had this conversation with a lot of comics where a lot of... just And a lot of friends where I'm like, uh, the people at the top of this industry, like in terms of the individuals, you can really only think of two pricks. Yeah, right. Majority of the guys at the very, very top. Sure. I'm talking... Like you, you know who yeah. you're talking about Anyone that you've met That's Properly like Well You can't really argue with Adam Sandler Sure Or uh, Say um, uh, Ed Byrne and Darryl be Like contemporary examples sure. of Irish guys that have done it Good guys The two There's two pricks We can all think of Yeah and the listener is probably thinking of them, too, because they've heard the stories yes, sure. of them being dicks. Sure. So nice guys finishing last is a myth to me, because where are all the examples of the dicks finishing first? Yes, okay. but There really aren't that many. Okay. I really don't think there are. I,
0: I I'm had, a, if I'm wrong. I had a, an argument, a, a friendly argument, in a car with a bunch of comics in multi Carlo, or somewhere like that. I'm doing Ollie, uh, Ollie Atkinson's Riviera gigs. Wow. Um, I was out there with JJ, quite a big nut nut there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Clang, Plank Monte Stray. Carlo. Well, Place drop well, is nearly worse than well, a name drop. <laughs> the, the gigs were fun. Didn't pay a huge amount, and uh, the, the company was very yeah. good fun. But the, the key thing was to be able to say you've been to Monte Carlo. Carlo
2: probably only you email me. Same
0: Monte Carlo. And tell me to picture
2: you in a sports car. I yeah, don't know why. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, that that did not happen. But mm. we, we had an, we had a, this friendly argument, friendly discussion in the car, whereby I was the only person uh, arguing the position that nice guys don't finish last and they we like yes they do yeah they, they obviously do if you hear about an opportunity and you tell it to all your mm. friends then you're less likely to get it than if you keep it secret and go for it yourself and I ended up the only line of argument that I could, that I could pursue that I could maybe kind of force a stalemate on was that uh, nice guys have a different perspective of what it means to win mm. or what it means to finish and it's just yeah. interesting to me that you have a similar sort of thing first reaction well, what do we mean by finish yeah
2: and also uh, what's first Like, where is first place? Like, yeah, nice guys probably do finish last if first place is, you know, uh, gigging regularly or breaking into the store.
0: Mm.
2: You know, a nice guy will hold back and disappear and not, you know...
0: And wait to be asked, rather than put your foot in the door and things like that.
2: Yeah, probably won't get in there as quickly. But if the nice guy's really funny... Mm. That's that's why I, I one of the reasons why I love this, is because this is just a unique justice in what we do, in that, if it tears the roof off, if it is really funny, unique, and brilliant, sure, it won't finish last.
0: It just won't. <laughs> So first things first, I've got a very bunged up nose in this interview. I don't at the moment, but in the interview uh, I have. Sorry about that. Uh, Also, we do a little extra bit on the end of this interview, which is weird. It sounds a bit different because we did it on Skype. We recorded it over Skype quite well, I thought. It took me ages to learn how to do it. Um, But the upshot is my nose is a little healthier sounding at that bit. Um, So this is great. Really, really interesting. This is a
2: podcast from (laughs) ComediansComedian.com.
0: This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Interview. There's some serious stuff on here as well. We're going to talk about Jala's experiences of writing a show about an ongoing near tragic event, the moment when he risked losing his wife and child, and about how it feels to be trying to make something funny whilst it still hurts. Uh, lots of people can relate to that, I think, in terms of that principle, if not those exact circumstances. So... There's some weighty stuff in here as well. It's not just the two of us being nice at each other. Um, But uh, yeah, if you've not seen Jarlath, I urge you to catch him out. He's got a couple of videos on YouTube. He's absolutely brilliant live. And uh, there's some really interesting stuff, particularly towards the end, about uh, the humbling experience of moving to a new country and having to start all over again. So really, really fascinating episode. Um, we'll get right back into it. Just one little announcement, really, about um, about Edinburgh, the live show. About Edinburgh, I'm looking down my list of things to say. Sorry. <laughs> That's like when I'm on the phone to my girlfriend. And she can tell that I'm not 100% focused. Um, two things, two things to say. The first is I'm still not asking you for money, guys. I don't have a donate button or anything like that. So the only payments I need is if you just share your favourite episode with a friend. Choose your favourite one email and a link to the to the episode you can find it on the soundcloud page uh, or you can find it on itunes uh, just pick an episode think of an episode that's particularly meant something to you picture it in your head now you're doing it picture it now eyes on the road <laughs> picture that episode and then think of someone who you think would get something out of that episode in the same way that you did who isn't aware of the podcast Make them aware of the podcast. That's all I ask. Thank you for that. That's that's my equivalent of a little sponsorship blurb. Oh, and I know I said two things. I'll say this very quickly. Um, I have been absolutely fascinated by the Dan Carlin's Common Sense podcast. He's a libertarian, non-partisan. You know, sometimes I like to I like to recommend other podcasts on on the show. Uh, notably, uh, Matt Ford's podcast. The political part party is uh, is excellent. Obviously, there's brilliant people like Pappy's Flatshare down. Richard Herring doesn't need any help from me advertising. Um, but uh, at the moment, I'm really turned on to Dan Carlin's Common Sense. It's like an American... If you're interested in American politics or politics in general, it's like a really interesting political commentary about all sorts of stuff. There's a great episode on North Korea and why Dan believes them not really to be that much of a threat. That was all recorded when that was going off. So that's just other stuff, other recommendations. You're all pod people. You should know about good pods. Um, so the, and the last thing was uh, the guests for the Edinburgh show coming up on uh, the Comedians Comedian live uh, the, from the 14th of August. So make a note of these. The tickets are on sale now. Um, and four, five, five of these six names I'm going to tell you. Sorry. Five of these seven names I'm going to tell you are available to the public. Um, because obviously as soon as the name goes out, then people can start buying tickets for that specific show. Two of them are only available to you here and now, so get on them quick, because they're definitely going to sell out, and I want super fans like you guys to be in the room. Um, so, on the 14th, Will Franken. Now, I don't know if many of you all heard of Will Franken. I only heard of him last year at Edinburgh. He's an American comic. He's a one-man sketch show. Just hundreds and hundreds of sketches and characters. It's almost like... Um, you know Jigsaw? You know Jigsaw, Dan Antopolsky, Nat Lutzmer and Tom Crane? They do hundreds and hundreds of little tiny sketches. He's kind of like that, but in one guy. And he'll just morph from one into the other. His opening sketch from last year's Edinburgh show was one of the funniest things I saw at that entire festival. It was so kind of meta and head squeezing. And you sort of worked out. He was doing this thing where he was kind of inflicting... Uh, he was pretending that someone in the audience was part of the sketch and had forgotten their line. It was such a simple concept, done so well. Will Franken, up with a brand new show, Uh, he's going to be on the 14th of August. On the 15th of August, you don't need me to tell you anything about this guy, it's Tim Vine. That's going to be an incredible chat with just a a master of comedy. And the same uh, on the 16th, Ed Byrne, Absolutely superb, Ed Byrne. Uh, we'll be uh, talking to him in, in great detail. As with the 17th, Susan Kalman. Susan Kalman might she might not be known to some of you in the UK. She's massive in Scotland. She's Fred Macaulay's assistant on lots of his shows. She's done loads and loads of Edinburgh hours herself. And she is snappy and quick-witted and uh, just really, just has real comedy bones. Uh, on the 18th, I don't know who it is yet. We've not booked it yet. So that's a little mystery guest. You go for someone cool on the 18th. Now, to the first... Okay, these three I'll do in a row. You already know that on the 20th is Sarah Millican. Sarah Millican is the first comic to return to ComcomPodge. Podge He's going to come and do a live show. It'll definitely sell out getting quick. But on the 19th and on the 21st, and please don't make these available to the public. These are just for you for now. I'm so stoked about both of these. On the 19th, Al Murray. We've got him for an hour. He's all mine. On the 21st rob delaney rob delaney if you follow twitter you'll know who rob delaney is he's the biggest comic on twitter in the u.s predominantly because he uses it for its own thing and he's funny in his own way he's kind of carved out his own way his own not only does he have like a, a comedy persona in stand-up he has a, uh, a similar but different very very deaf, very subtle uh persona on well i say subtle it's subtly different it's not very subtle a persona per se um that's on twitter so he's massive on that you must come and see those al murray on the 19th rob delaney on the 21st and of course sarah millick on the 20th no one knows about al murray and rob delaney yet so don't tell them uh just tell your mates tell people you like but don't don't kind of put it anywhere public just yet uh email me info at dot if you have any questions anything you would like to ask those people we should we should start we should open the batting now um I think I'm going to ask, uh, as well as in the room, asking for questions from uh, from the audience, when I do those shows, I'm going to ask one listener question. So we'll do a competition as to what that listener question is going to be. Info at comedianscomedian.com. In the subject line, put something like, just put the word questions. And uh, if you have specific questions for those specific guests I've mentioned, then I will pick the best one, the most intriguing, the most incisive question, and ask away. So ask anything. Tweet me at comcompod, and that is enough chat for now. Let's get back to the fabulous Charlotte Reagan.
1: Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments.
0: So let's let's just go into that. And that was you were a, a graphic designer before you were a comic. Had you tried comedy at the time? What was just in a potted history? Yeah, what was the first couple
2: of steps? I guess uh, graphic design kind of, and me being a graphic designer, is kind of a thing that gets written down on a press mm-hmm. release because it's easy to swallow. Uh, the more complicated uh, origin story is uh, that. Uh, I always stood up in front of people. As far as back as I can remember, I always looked for the opportunity in school mm-hmm. or in college to stand up in front of people and do the speech, mm-hmm. and then I always used what was intended to be a, a serious speech to crowbar in jokes or try and flip it on its head mm-hmm. and make the crowd laugh. Mm-hmm. That was what I always did. Uh, And so I wound up doing debating as a result because of the best possible way to do it and the easiest way to do it in a place and a time where there was no comedy clubs. Sure. And by the time I got to college, comedians were kind of coming in and out and doing things. And by the end of college, it was obvious to me that that's what I wanted to do. Okay. And your parents leaning on you to be safe and to do mm. what's right and you know they just want you to be safe People yeah. really who criticize their parents they never understand it they just want you to be safe they wanted me to get a safe job I did okay and that was an account executive okay. in a graphic design company
0: oh I understand okay so I
2: manage the jobs yeah somebody comes in they ask for a thing mm-hmm. I want to design a website they ask me I take it to the studio and I tell them what they want I yeah. go back to the client and bring them the thing, and then they go, well, we don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> I go, well, I don't know anything about graphics. Yeah, okay, <laughs> sure. So I'll be back with an answer. And it, uh, it did suck the life out of me for that time. And okay. by the time I got let go, the Celtic tiger in Ireland was beginning to wobble. Okay. And the first people.
0: For, for the uninitiated, people. that means the uh, economic the boom. growth. Yeah, the boom. yeah we yeah.
2: had a massive boom there. And uh, that was beginning to sh- just shake for the first time. There was a question of, uh-oh, hang on. Are we not going to sell houses forever? Yeah. And that was principally our work was shopping centres and shit like that. Okay. And uh, the first person not to be paid was the guy who designed the brochure to sell the thing. Gotcha. And that was us. Okay. So we stopped getting paid. I was the first man out the door. I went home and started looking for other jobs. And my wife came home and said, what are you doing? You have a job. You've been gigging. You've been going around doing stand-up, just okay. fucking do it.
0: And that, that was it. That was it. I just did it. Nice guy, John Reagan pushed into it by oh, his nice man. wife.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, oh, man.
2: I don't know if that nice guy thing is going to haunt me forever.
0: Yeah, no, no, no. Not hey, listen, stop thinking about that in no. terms of this. Cause, you know. No, no.
2: I, just, I, I find the nice guy thing, has been, it's been around me f- since well, when I started. I was doing one liners, darkish one liners, mm-hmm. huge Hedberg fan, mm-hmm. Stephen Wright, Jimmy Carr, loved Dimitri Martin and there was some nice stuff. And then one night they just all crashed and burned. And mm-hmm. that I can remember that night in the comedy starter sitting down on stage and going, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk now, I'm not gonna yeah. just do these lines. Sure. And when I started to talk, it started to be nice. <laughs> that's yeah.
0: that's That fascinates me because I... As I said, I, I suffer from that myself. I think of, I think that I'm thought of as being nice. I've heard you just discuss this Yes, a podcast. Yeah. It is really interesting to me. What? Yeah, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, this will be two nice yeah. men telling each other how fascinating they are. No, no, no. no, no.
2: The, the, thing- the, 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 the conundrum that yeah. we both face Yes, is... Am I trying to make them like me? Yes. Or is that it? Is it like, that is an, over, that's an overpowering yes. urge. Yes. If your persona is, hey guys, I'm like one of you. And that is, it's it's very hard to try new material then in that situation because you sure. just urge to please.
0: Yes. Okay. So that does, that, that's what I was going to ask. That that. Let's talk about the the urge to please, the urge to be liked, the urge mm-hmm. to be approved of. Um, let's talk about some gigs where that didn't work. How does that feel for you? Because I, I agree that we're on a similar page here, but let's let's talk about you because, you know, well, I'll do my own one at some point. Gigs where it hasn't worked. Gigs where it hasn't worked. Just sum up for me. What does that feel like when a nice man that wants people to like him, when, when a gig bombs, are you experiencing what's going on in your body, what's going on in your mind when that doesn't work, when that feeling of... I want them to like me and they're not yeah, liking me.
2: I have a sicky feeling in my stomach when you, when you bring me back
0: to... Yeah, a... <laughs> yeah, okay. And I do a bit as There's, well describing it. I get yeah. the impression from you, Stu, that you
2: don't die much,
0: ever. Not much. Let's be honest. How many times have you really died? Once. Once. Really died. Yeah. But then on yeah. str- I used to be a street performer, so I can stand there with them not looking at me. I can stand with them just looking at me and I can...
2: But that's a similar thing with me. Yeah. I've
0: never... Like sent
2: it okay. At pace okay. Diving into the earth And sure. picked up speed on the way down The way a character act might Yes Because of what we do And because of I suppose the The skill and muscle that Being uh, The way we are on stage Yes It is It's more difficult To die in this position Okay Because you have an ability To pull it out of the fire Sure um, That said <laughs> When it's happened most notably in Mountjoy Prison yeah. In Dublin City Centre Oh. Wow. I could feel it I could feel the Just a left turn You can feel the room Okay Go uh, And again it's because of what we, we do You're very attuned to this Are they with me? Because you need them with you Yeah To, to be, be in these jokes and stories about your life be on your side sure for these jokes to really work right so you can feel them going we're not on this guy's side yeah no. we know yeah. no thank you we we, have, we see what you're doing yeah and we're not falling for it and what was weird about it that particular gig in Mount Joy was these guys wanted to laugh more than anybody they're not going to get comedy again for another six months sure <sighs>
0: oh man
2: oh god I went on in the first five minutes. Who am I kidding? The first minute was fine. Yeah. And then, uh, to quote uh, a friend of mine, I could hear them blinking. It was so quiet. What? Silence silence this prison, and you could see the wardens looking at me going, guys in there, <laughs> you know. I, do, I told this story on stage, yeah. uh, that there was guys in there going, I mean... I've made some mistakes in
0: my life but look at this fucking agent <laughs> <laughs> okay that that thing of I needing them to like you to go with the stuff mm. I look at some other acts jealously and I think it doesn't matter they don't mm. care whether we like them the stuff is the stuff yeah but I often feel myself like I've got to win them over because once they buy me this will work not, not once right. they buy me any old shit will work but once they buy me They'll go with the stuff.
2: I live with my wife and my child. I never get to talk about comedy like this. (laughs) I really don't get to hang out after the clubs. Sure. get to go for pints with guys that much. This is a joy to talk about this (laughs) first and foremost. When people say what we're... uh, When they look down on that thing of, I need them to be on my side for this to happen, I think they miss the point of why getting them on your side allows you to go places that those other guys who go, it doesn't matter if they like me. Sure. Uh, can't go. Okay. And they would they would argue that their thing, and they're right, you know, um, setting yourself up as an aggressive kind of guy, warts and all, mm-hmm. you know, you may not have to like me, but this is funny. Patrice O'Neill, sure, perfect example. Sure. It's truth, you know, this is the truth whether you like it or not, but, be, but winning them over and getting them on side, you can... Deliver harsh truths to them, sure, from the perspective of somebody who they have warmed to. Yes, and now, I see. This, yes, I got some bad news for you. Yeah. But look at Jerry. I mean Jerry first first name terms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jerry Samuel is like my idol. I just think that you know, I and mean, he is a scientist mm-hmm. with comedy and how he constructs it, and his is, he doesn't get the credit for the. Uh, ...the darkness of his stuff. Mm. And it is... ...he's been allowed to go there... ...because of years of winning us over. And now he's able to stand up on stage... ...much like Cosby... ...and say, life is shit... ...all your things are shit... ...being out with your friends is shit... ...and you're going to die. And here's... This is Jerry Seinfeld... ...what's the deal with? Sure. So in some ways... ...the tables are turning towards... It be impossible for the nice guy in Verticamas yeah to be the darkest
0: of all. Yes. <laughs> I yes, and there's enough. nothing there's nothing more frustrating than seeing someone who thinks they're dark, or it, who thinks they're edgy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've heard this come up
2: on the podcast. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> it is. Uh, it's a pet peeve, isn't it? It's the most generic thing of all. Is you just can't handle the truth. Yeah. No, it's just not funny. Sure. So, you know, it, it's. That kind of... That's probably the—that's probably more generic than anything, isn't it? P- pretending to be a, a kind of a, a sage, kind of this modern man wandering the lands telling you the truth. When, you know, you're a dime a dozen, you know.
0: Something I was thinking about on the way over here was the place of comedy in society and how I like to... Certainly when I was a street performer, I've got this whole kind of fascination with the idea of the street performer or, the, you know, the outsider as some sort of... I mean, the, the, I've possibly referred to it before, kind of the whole warrior-poet shtick. Do you mm. know what I mean? This feeling that you're, you are not necessarily a grid. special person. Well, maybe you're off the grid, but but more that in, the, in society we need comedians somehow. Mm. We need it. What, yeah. what's, your, what's your view on that? Because I think a lot of the, the sort of the edgier acts that we're talking about would say, oh, yeah, that's definitely what it is. But do you, how do, how do you come at that from the perspective of, uh, how do um, you come at that? Yeah, I um, I think you I would agree with that. I think we,
2: as a society, we're always going to need our comedians. But I'm coming from a situation where uh, I, like I said, I'm born a stand-up into a boom. I became a stand-up into an economic boom. Mm. Clubs everywhere across Ireland. You work seven nights a week. There was, maybe that's an exaggeration, but there's clubs everywhere. Sure. And you, you're earning a fine living um, just from the appetite that people had for comedy in a boom. And then things go like heavily sour. You, you've no idea how bad it's gotten and continues to get there. Uh, and then you're kind of woken up to the fact that oh, wait, comedy is a luxury sure. to a lot of people. The idea that you know we'll spend money on entertainment is you, you know that that that's informed a little bit of my thought at the moment about this whole or where's our role in this yeah. society that I've I've had to leave my country because it's just impossible to live.
0: Is that why I was going to to sort of talk yeah. about the move in a bit? But that's yeah,
2: just impossible to live. Okay. Now that said, I, I, it became impossible to live there. It became very possible to live here. So sure. I started to get a lot of work here as a result of going to Edinburgh for seven years. And, uh, you know, I guess I'm kind of in a place, Stu, where I felt a bit like, oh, right, so comedy actually isn't that important to Irish society. And not that I am the representative of comedy, but that I was I was surplus to requirements. And okay. Comics were, and comics continue to move. Ed, Dara, uh, Andrew... All these guys moved here yep. uh, when the Irish economy was fucked before. Yes. And now it's happening again. Irish people have always been the country's yes. biggest well, export. Okay. And, and now it's just returning to that. Now, to the question of what's our, what's our, what's our role, I mean, I'm a little bit confused on it at the, at the moment. I think yes. that, yeah, there, there probably is a, there mm. is a place f- for the comic in everyday life. Everyone needs some laughter at the end of the day. It's just crucial to how you live. But um, I don't know if uh, I don't know coming from my situation. If I, I felt a little
0: bit like what the fuck is the point? Like what, what the fuck yeah. am I doing? Because if it's just if it is just entertainment and it's a luxury item that's entertaining mm. people who can afford to be entertained. That's a very different picture to the idea of a sort of ragged, trousered troubadour mm. who's kind of... I, I think I think in, in another similarity that we have is that you have... And obviously you, you have a wife and child to support in a way that I don't. Um, but you have... Let me, let me come at this. What, what do I mean? How important is it to you to have a comfortable life as well as to tell your truths? Um. See, this is this probably comes back to the, uh, you
2: know, the quite. If we can zero back in the question to to me and the and us and what we do, I probably don't think that I'm going on stage and issuing truths. Sure. I think that I'm going on stage and I am, um, giving people my perspective on the world. I'm literally telling my story of, of living, and people empathise with that and the. Uh, way in which you uh, make them laugh is literally saying that we're not that different where that's probably my truth sure and that's pro- maybe the truth of the of the, the every man nice guy comic is sure that we we aren't that different uh, I, I definitely had a a sense that English people are very different to Irish people three months here this Edinburgh show is going to be about it's just formed it's, it's just come out as no, we're actually not that far apart from each other. Is the 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 life of living comfortably? How important is that to that truth? I mean, you're right. The family and your wife and child become that that their comfort becomes more important than yours. Mm-hmm. I think that when that happens. You know, comics in their twenties, you know, wearing leather jackets, pointy shoes, and buying nice jeans. I mean, it's that's they're their they're their baby, yeah, themselves, yes. Second, an actual baby and wife arrive in the scene. Um, my comfort's really irrelevant.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah. Okay. I I don't
0: want to be rich. No, sure.
2: I just I just want them to be happy. Sure, it's all like it is. It's, it's so trite, but it's it is all for that.
0: Yeah, I think because I, because I'm in the pre-wife and baby stage. Mm-hmm. But in the last ten years, I've gone from being a street performer who probably was a bit of a journeyman and saw himself as kind of on this big adventure and yeah. bringing that with me into stand up, and then looking around and stand up and going, oh, actually, a fair bit of my income mm-hmm. comes from being an entertainer rather than mm. you know an entertainer first and foremost being you know looking at corporates I imagine you do a fair few corporates you're like I am you're a very likeable warm easy yeah, to get along with guy work, if, yeah. if I was organising an award ceremony for a gas manufacturer's company you know yeah. people who made boilers I'd come to you or me mm. so so I okay. suppose
2: yeah no I hear you do you know what I mean what I, yeah, I suppose no, what I'm getting at it comes is, back to it how much does that inform what you write Is is this sellable is that what it is?
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe,
0: maybe that's part of the question. Yes, in that, like, part of you is burning brightly, wanting to express yourself, yeah. and part of you is aware that that brightly burning material has to be tempered in, and manufactured, I, I, yeah. or, or in, into something, um, into something that's employable, into something that, that's palatable. Yeah. And is that a wrench? Is that difficult, or is it because you and I have always been, we've always been people that enjoy people getting on. Mm. Is it actually it easier to go, here's the stuff, and and the stuff will make you laugh and that's good enough for me? Yeah,
2: I think that that's what it comes back to, that thing that we mentioned about the justice, that uh, if it, you don't really th- ever really... I certainly never really think about, oh, well, is this marketable? Is this what people are after at the moment? Is there a niche for this? Never have a thought like that. I think all you think about is what is funny to you at this particular time. And, like I say, with the justice, is that, like... Barry Katz do you know Barry Katz? I don't know he's an American uh, stand-up agent who's represented people like Dane Cook sure and stuff along the way he's kind of a kind of a weird uh, character of American comedy he speaks about this notion that America speaks and I think that audiences speak and you know that appreciation for what it is that you find funny they'll tell you Is that funny? Is that worth money? They'll tell you. It's not really up to you to think about it. you just got to do what you do. And they'll let you know. They'll they'll just let you know. Uh, I certainly never really think about, uh, will this make money? Uh, And probably, looking at my Edinburgh shows over the last six years, that's probably uh, quite visible if you look down through them.
1: (laughs)
0: You've done seven. You've done seven seventh. years. Is that consecutively, consecutively or yeah. seven consecutive yeah. years? Yeah. And how has that been? What's that? What's that experience like? How is that? How is, in terms of the actual process of someone who's done seven years on the trot? How has your approach changed from from year one to year seven?
2: Uh, I suppose uh, the first thing was that in year one I probably didn't write anything down. I went up with an hour of stuff that I had accumulated from the previous four years Sure. and of doing it. And uh, you know, it was very much like, well these are my jokes. These are the jokes that are literally tailored together. The following year I actually went out and tried to engineer something, tried to make stuff happen in my life. Okay. To make it to uh, let's let's have some stuff happen. I'd heard Daryl Breen talk about that. That if ever he's low on material, he goes out and he you know, books in a balloon ride. Yeah, I did that <laughs> once. I did that with a, with a, a safety, like a, what's it called? CPR course. It's not a bad idea because <laughs> even the process of booking in yeah. can provide the, the material. Sure. Uh, and the thing that I chose to do was uh, get involved in white collar boxing. Okay. So my second year show was about joining white collar boxing and realising a fear of fighting that I still have. Okay. Uh, as a result of an incident that happened outside a Takeaway. Um, and then that probably that was the turning point where things just start the show started to be about what had happened that year. Okay. And it was that was probably the the arc of it to date. Is the third year uh was more stuff that happened in my life yep. that year. And yep. the next year was about preparing to get married. Uh and the next year was about the uh baby. Yeah. And what happened there. Uh, and then Last year was about living with that baby. Okay. And this year is obviously going to be about moving here. So, th- that's been the arc of the subject matter. And but the what were you going to ask? Oh, I was going to ask:
0: Do you feel that Edinburgh, as you mentioned earlier on, that you um, you said due to the fact that you've done seven Edinburgh shows, you you're getting work, you're in demand over here? Yeah. Has that been? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the relative successes of Edinburgh. So, have you been? Thing one: Have you been getting people in through the door? Have you been yeah. breaking even? When did you start breaking even? Uh, well, my first year, uh, I I started
2: to flyer the show myself, and it's probably something I'm quite proud of. And that I've heard comics go, "I don't know, it looks terrible if you're flying your own show." Yeah. I don't know if you've heard people say that. Yeah, heard? I've heard
0: about it. it looks awful, yeah. man. It's sure.
2: awful. I've never held that attitude. I've always yeah. and probably a benefit of the way we are way we are, <laughs> is uh, that I would go out and meet them beforehand and I'd have a chat with each and every one of them. And by year two, it was always full as mm-hmm. a result of the flyering specifically. Mm-hmm. So people started coming off the street. Like I would just I'd do a check at the start and it was usually 80% of them were flyered people. By you? By me. And uh, so then it's probably stopped uh, being that expensive uh, to do. Now, whether that produced work or not, because those tend to be like oldies, so people yes, want okay. around, they're yes. not industry folk, um, and it probably didn't really produce a whole lot of work in the first three years, four years. Um, I also was growing the show in Ireland. You're growing it in a completely foreign environment. Yes. Audiences in Ireland are vastly different to audiences here. Okay, you've done the laughter, right? yes, you've yes. seen it. They, sure. the the common factor Irish audiences have, I find, is every single man in that audience thinks he's funny too. Yes, and that you know, well, <laughs> if given the opportunity I would obviously be doing this myself yes sure sure so sure. you kind of have to give them that credit of well you're obviously mad like you're crazy for yes, people okay. yourselves so the shows for a, st- for a start literally as a baseline that's where you're growing it from whereas here there's a history of stand-up cabaret it's part of your history it's, people have grown up with it they're ready to come in sit down and watch a show they want to watch a show you're the comic you be funny yeah so growing it in that environment and taking them over was probably the biggest challenge of those first four years okay because it just there were times no exaggeration I'd have to chop a half an hour and write a new half an hour and put it in the show and that just was just ridiculously hard sure and um, you're walking through mud the whole through the whole way through the festival of course so this is the first year that I've written one here okay for English people
0: okay written <laughs> especially in, written for in the English yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 in yeah, Scotland yeah in Scotland for the English in Scotland yeah yeah okay so you so after about year four do you feel that there's been a, a tipping point in terms of your audience do you feel there's been a tipping point in terms of people coming back you growing an audience I've, or is it is it still sort of hand to mouth in that respect I still fly her for two hours before the show yeah, and I
2: know that if I didn't do it, they the the numbers would be low. That said, there's people that come back every year. Okay, there are people that come back every year. I don't. know, How do you measure this shit? Like, really, sure. you just gotta hope that something. But like I say, the difficulty I was running into was that you weren't around enough. You weren't yes. around enough for the, anybody to establish any kind of a relationship with you in this country. So. The, you know, you'd go back up and start from scratch again yeah. and it was gutting it was really gutting the first week up there you'd be like here I am again fucking plodding around with a lot of flowers in my hands yeah, getting right. all over but something good comes of it. you gotta get better right okay you don't get worse at comedy no sure uh, somebody sure. told me last night you do um the Herrera has a podcast from The Laugh Factory. You ever listen to that? Um, yeah, I've heard it once or twice. He said. repeats it again and again and again that Michael Jordan will never be the basketball player he was. Yes. But we, if we keep going, yeah. we'll just keep getting better. And that's amazing. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, and yeah. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. If the jury's are, you know, out on that one for me. I, think that's, I don't know that's a hard and fast rule. Depends what you do, obviously.
2: If you're, to extend the sport analogy, if you're just lifting the one dumbbell every day. Sure
0: yes 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 yes. okay yeah okay with that caveat yeah yeah
2: (laughs) you gotta work out properly and go and do your shows and do your 20 minutes i think then we will continue to get better and that's an amazing thing to me. so that's probably what i kept telling myself going up there for those years yes look i'm not well known i'm not i'm not rich this is just a little house we're just trying to figure it out
0: just trying to figure it out get there get wherever it there is and are you, have you got good relationships now with a lot of UK clubs? Are your weekends busy? Are you...?
2: Yeah, yeah, my diary's good. Yeah. yeah my diary's very good now. But I spent a year over here, back and forth. Two weeks here, two weeks in Ireland. Gotcha, OK. And Joe Wilkinson would stay in his house. Yeah. And he was incredibly kind to me for the past two years or so, uh, where I'd just stay at his place and go gigging and kind of pick up spots here and there. And Yeah. And just try and push the doors. I mean I did what open spots do. Yeah. And I probably had the benefit of those years and those little bits and pieces and things yeah. to go, Well he's not an open spot, he's he's like doing this and he's yes. gonna try here.
0: You can do that thing that some I think sometimes Canadians come over yeah. and blitz it mm. and then it doesn't stick. Because it doesn't have that repeat yeah. kind of quality. You, you know, you, you, you can be a headliner somewhere else and turn up. No one's going to give you a headline slot straight away, exactly. and it will take time for that to, to filter. in. Yeah, so
2: that's probably what my last two years have been. And they've been the hardest two years of my life, no question. Really? Yeah, no no doubt about it. Whilst bringing up Mikey? Whilst attempting to bring up little Michael. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a whole other area
0: that you probably don't want to get into. But like, Well... What, what would I say? Do you mean fatherhood? Fatherhood and comedy? No, he, mean- nearly died, and uh, so he nearly died. And she nearly died okay. in the
2: birth. Okay. And I wrote a show about it. And it was probably the only time I'll ever write a really personal show just about what that was. Because at the time I was hosting some bullshit kids' programme on RTE to try and pay for it. Yeah. And... In the meantime, you know, you're surrounded by all this vacuous kind of fucking, uh, fucking nonsense of kids' TV. You can imagine being in that for 24 hours a day, and then having to go to the hospital at night for 12 weeks, not knowing what's gonna fucking happen. So somehow I tried to es- extract comedy from it. On certain nights, people would say, "You didn't do it." Okay. But on other nights, it was the most
0: exhilarating show I've ever done. So let's well let's let's zero in on that then. How do you get the funny out of something like that? Um, what kind of what kind of strategies were you using to Now I didn't see that show, and I regret that I, that I missed that one. But well, I probably um,
2: like tragedy and time is such a it's a cliche. Sure, I probably didn't give it enough time because the longer that went by, the easier it was to look back and extract. Okay, from it. Okay. So people are going, Why am I? people are listening to this or going, well, I've, got, I've been through a lot of stuff. A lot of the time, I think that it's actually hindsight with a little bit of distance, you start to be able to draw stuff from it. It had literally just happened for me. So I was very much trying to draw on it right there in front of me, uh, which was really hard. So you're doing a lot of long form writing because you're trying to work it out in your head. Uh, and then trying to pull as many uh, bits from diaries and notebooks that you kept at the time. Okay. Uh, and then trying to form a cohesive structure, and arc to the story. Sure. To make people hook in and listen to it. Sure. So it's a very complicated
0: process. Sure, sure. But see, in terms of the arc of that story, it's, you know, it's a, it's a at the end, it's got a happy ending. Mm-hmm. They both survived. Yeah. But other than that what are you like when you were looking at that thinking I'm going to talk about this were you deciding I mean what, were there bits of it that you were telling friends socially that were that were making people laugh because I mean no. it sounds harrowing okay no. so so it sounds like you made the decision you went I'm going to turn this into stuff somehow
2: yeah i don't know man if i ever made that decision of stuff because to and it
0: probably was why it was so hard to perform sure I mean it wasn't it wasn't composed of bits that you would do at comedy clubs it was his own hour show yeah mean? yeah and it was
2: it was it was just uh in the in the that ball in your throat through the show yeah so like it's not healthy not healthy to do it uh I I was doing the story to tell that it had happened to me and if I didn't tell it it would never tell it that's the way I saw it okay so I was just like booking in previews around Dublin and doing it and trying to tell it as best I could and each night just trying to work it out. A little bit better, listen back. A little bit better, listen back, change something, move something else somewhere, try and inject some light where light is needed okay, and uh, see what came out at the end. Like I'm really proud of it, but it is one of those shows where if somebody came on the wrong night, they just go, this shit. You know, because it wasn't a club set. Okay. It wasn't an hour club set. It was, it was a dynamic, a kind of constant state of flux piece. That if you got it
0: on the right fucking day, great stuff. How does that sit with this idea that you want them to like you and you want to make them happy? That yeah. seems to me to have a that really See, it didn't sit me. well. Didn't sit well. But, like, but you were was, able to
2: persevere through that feeling. Did yeah, and probably the late night shows got me through that in Edinburgh that year because I was just going around doing regular sets then, and they were just kind of lifting me out of it and taking me away from it because you're forced to relive this shit in a show like that. Yeah, I never thought I would write a show like that, but then it just was written and it was it was happening, and by the time uh, it was it was happening it was too late it was there that's that's it how does it sit with it I mean those people going, going to it who were expecting the same kind of you know upbeat kind of nonsense about cats and dogs yeah. and who were going what the fuck is this why are we listening to this guy uh, going about his baby uh, um, but uh, it uh, I felt it, that if you got through the fact that okay you may have an image of this or expectation of this once you get through that, and actually sit there and, and listen rather yeah. than expecting, like, jokedy joke jokerson. Sure, <laughs> it sure was a lot more. It was it was a lot more uh, wholesome uh, than a kind of bag of
0: sweets that I was doling out year on year. Do you feel that you were? Do you feel that there was any sense that? Comedy owed you the space to talk about that because you've been you've been doing bags of sweets for a long time. Yeah, well Tina said that. T- like my wife was like, "I think if you were
2: better known, they would have let you have it." Okay, that's what you said. Sure, no, I don't agree, agree with that. I think if you just do it well, I'm very much like yeah, if it's good. So you don't feel ultimately you don't feel like that show was a success. Um, on a personal level, it, it was because you know for me it was what I had to be done and sure. like it probably was that moment where you separated yourself from trying to please them yep. to going right well we're going to do this show and the people that it spoke to it really really spoke to them. more than any bag of sweets worked. yes yes okay uh, and the people that it didn't speak she just kind of shrugged their shoulders and walked out sure. so you know from that sense I mean, financially I probably lost a fortune but what the fuck are you going to do everybody loses money up there right right <laughs>
0: bang, bang, bang. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes i get too <laughs> i do get too obvious with a moment i'm thinking yeah. that's a lovely moment to leave that particular thought yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, guests that have listened will then lead in with an impression of one of the stings. <laughs> so let's talk about the 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 way that you make the stuff yeah so you were doing one-liners to begin with yeah, that was days.
2: why I, I actually did one-liners all the way to the uh, So You Think You're Funny final and BBC New Comedy War final, was just one-line guy. Okay. And that was what got me there. And then I, I kind of just, I, like I had that moment of them not working, and me yeah. going, well, what do I do now? So was It's the, was exceptionally the, hard to write one-liners. Yeah,
0: and it's so time-consuming, so inefficient. So, so inefficient. much, much work goes in.
2: Yeah, I mean... Uh, I actually heard Jerry Seinfeld recently say that if he was allowed if he allowed himself to curse he could turn out a new hour every month yeah right because the time and labour that goes into his stuff yes
0: is so vast yes. much easier to put fuck I on mean, the end I, to get yeah, I around.
2: wonder I'd love to see Jimmy Carr do a talky conversational show yes like he has it in him like yes yes absolutely. Absolutely. As absolutely as a very engaging storyteller I'd love to see somebody like that do an hour an hour about what's going on
0: yeah. You know uh, but yeah so I started doing those and uh, when when you were making those how were you approaching those was that like Dimitri Martin style flicking through a dictionary and just attacking a word <laughs> um, for a couple of hours or what was it
2: in a way yeah yeah I would start with a, a funny line and write a setup for it and uh, I would just harvest through books and, and things and just write loads of stuff about it and Try and just pluck little uh, non sequiturs from it. I mean, really, really hard. Ninety-nine percent of it is shite I don't know if maybe that's just my hit rate, but it, it, like, if you have any kind of standard for them, one-liners are ridiculous. Yeah. So I was doing that for ages, and it probably it suited the situation. Being in an office, doing sure. a job. Yes. Word document open at all times. Yes. a away. Yes. Yes. So that was how it all started there, uh, and then. Like well, it's, it's like it's kind of a long time ago. There was like it is seemed like a, quite a while back, but I definitely took a break. I definitely okay. took six months. I can remember Mae Higgins uh was a contemporary at the time. We really kind of started at the same time, and she couldn't believe that I was stopping for any amount of time because you kind of got to keep going. Yes, yeah. you know. Yeah. You just lose your place in the queue or whatever. And uh, in I think in that time of taking the time off, that was when started to write more about my family <laughs> Okay, what my, my opinions and shit
0: and when you were doing those you said your first Edinburgh show nothing was actually physically written down no. were you just kind of telling the same stuff on stage and picking your way through it each night mm. just remembering it or were you yeah um
2: i i guess uh, yeah i was doing a lot of mc'ing at the time so i'd have bits and pieces and bits and bobs and little bits of newspaper that I'd had picked out something that I'd analyse an article yeah. on stage and I had a story about the, the dog that I used to own and yeah it was literally all the bits and pieces thrown into an hour show sure. and, and that was it. Yeah that's what the first show was. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if this is going to be really boring for your listeners or whatever. Like,
0: Stop worrying about it. No. Uh,
2: nobody gives a shit
0: jar. <laughs> Who but cares. no, they do. They all do. They all do. Uh, yeah, well, that was the first year. And okay, so what So what changed then? What, what actually propelled you into... I think you start looking at it as... You start to become
2: a little bit more professional about it, don't you? After a little while... Uh, you start to be like... Vroom. I think as well as that after that first year, everybody has this experience of throwing that out. This thing that Louis CK thinks is so amazing that he's throwing out his old material yes, and starting yes, starting sure, again. It sure. really fucks me off every time <laughs> I hear that. I'm just like, what? Everybody over here does that, like, every yes, year. Yes, yes. I don't know why this is such a big deal. And it's always... So, like... A, like I'll say it to Louie if I ever meet him it's, like, it's always said in these self aggrandizing terms of I throw it out I throw it out like yeah. big fucking mickey swing Yeah, really yeah. and truly every fella here is doing the exact same thing and that's probably the moment when you start going right gonna write some chunks you nearly have to clear the pipes get yeah. all that shit out yeah, the yeah. year and for some people it wins them an award because they didn't go up there for four years but I kind of went straight up the second I was like right I'm doing this Okay. it was kind of the way of the Irish at the time was uh, you got to take an Edinburgh show up and it was like yeah. oh, not ready yeah you yeah, are yeah, yeah, go Yeah. so nobody hangs around there isn't that sense of I'll we'll do a double up I'll we'll do a compilation show you just go with your okay. first bit of shit okay.
0: and away you go okay
2: <laughs> so after that the pipes are cleared and you start writing bits
0: Sure. So what in what environment do you do you ordinarily write then? Are you a sit down at an office guy or...? I used like... to be. I used okay. to be big time. Sit. At, I would get up
2: at... Uh, my wife would leave at seven and I would get up and sit at the desk from usually like eight or nine through to one Okay. and go and then have a break and come back around three and go again Fair. and uh, wait till she got home and then be like, what are we doing? and she'd be like well I'm bollocks so I yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah
2: so uh, then out for out for a gig and try and work it out that was that was that real period that I think a lot of comics have where you are just it's your life and you're just fucking living you're just all about boring people talking yeah. about comedy non-stop and and then, I suppose, y- y- other things happen and you-, you start to be like, right, well, maybe that's not the t- wisest way to write this stuff. Sure.
0: I, the problem I struggle with when I sit down and do a load of sit-down writing is that I end up writing a script that I'm fine-tuning and cutting mm. and pasting and moving stuff around and almost really? making work for myself to fill the time. Yeah,
2: well, definitely that kind of period taught me that thing of, yeah, you can write it all, you can write all you like, but then you've got to take it up and see how it's hung in the tongue. Uh, if if it if the if the tone will dictate, and your 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 rhythm and tone yes. will decide how it's actually going to be said. Yes, you know, this is a suggestion on the page, but also at that time you know, kind of sit, sitting down helps you, you know, m- make actual things. And yes, that, that was how my books came about, and that's how I got a TV show out of uh, my first Edinburgh show. I made a TV show about. It. Uh, okay, for Irish television. Oh, this and that was, was totally through sitting down. This was the
0: one about no one, no one knows. Yes. So I've read it. Yeah. Okay. So it was a
2: kind of documentary about going to the festival and uh, green as the day is long. So, like I look at it and I'm like, oh my god.
0: But that's a very ballsy thing to have gone. I'll do a movie ballsy about be going and doing it for the first time.
2: Is a, a substitute word for stupid in a lot of cases. Like, I really didn't. I'm not saying I was thick, but it was just like naive to, to uh, go along with a lot of it. Like, a lot of the show was kind of dictated to me as okay. well, to how it's going to happen, even though I'd written the idea. Sure. I'd come up with an idea of going to the fringe and filming it, making a documentary about it, and parallel, I would pose as my own agent, wear yeah. a costume, and try and blag my way into things. Okay. And running alongside that, I would... I interview as many people as I could, and I did. I interviewed loads of comics about, you know, how do we do this? How do we get in here, and how does yeah. this work, and what's the best way to do well in Edinburgh? And I'll always have that show, that three episodes, but Jesus, I look at him like a baby, like a real comedy baby Okay. in that show. So that, that show probably came about sitting down writing a lot.
0: And you have your... Your, the, one of your standout bits one of your bits that I remember most was you on the phone to your dad yeah, yeah. trying to talk it through doing the video yeah, play, yeah. which is you know arguably it's a bag of sweets in that it's like a nice sweet bit but it's very very funny and it's got something that you're very good at which is a sort of understated you're quite subtle on stage and I mean that as a, as a compliment it's quite sure. deft and and you're you're very good at kind of not exactly characterization of other people, but almost characterization of yourself. You're mm. very, very measured, and this beat and that pause, and yes, yeah. Dad. No,
2: I'm definitely really proud of that
0: bit. Yeah, yeah.
2: probably the fir- probably the the first bit that I wrote where I was like, yeah, I could really be proud of that. Sure. That Barry Katz guy said that every comedian, and you should look up Barry Katz. Yes, yeah, I so will. I, I don't know if people are familiar with Barry Katz. He's like he's kind of a weird person to kind of stumble across, mm. but he's he he's a he's an agent, and he he's not I'm not sure like he's pretty well respected. Uh, he's been involved with some of the biggest names in American comedy sure. uh, over the last 25 years, and he kind of started out in Boston representing people like Dennis Leary when they were very very much nobodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I listened to a podcast with Jay Moore. Who he still represents, and uh, he just his advice to new comics uh, when Jay asked him what what would be the one tip you give his was to take all your jokes and write each one on a post-it note and a keyword and put all of the bits everything you you are currently doing in your set on a wall, and ask yourself honestly which of those bits. Could you perform in front of your comedy hero and be proud of Mm. and be kind of confident that they would look at you positively for doing that bit? Mm -hmm. Uh, He said, keep those bits and bin the rest. (laughs) We never really talked about reviews, did we, uh, before?
0: No. But, But
2: sometimes I feel like... The reviews are being, a lot of reviews are judging comics on the one standard. Uh, Tom Gleason talked to me about this, that he had a very frank discussion with a certain reviewer who gets mentioned constantly on your show.
0: Okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He said to him, you're judging my show on the basis that it's an Edinburgh show, Mm -hmm. but I never go to Edinburgh, so it's not really fair of you to judge it on those standards. And that can be said of a lot of things, I think, in comedy. And I probably sure. reg- regret saying that in the first part of this. That I that I think that, that you know it's either funny or it's not. No, I think sometimes they need to be shown that this is funny, and sometimes the audience isn't wise, and that maybe you need to grow for a while in that persona or along that path, and you, they'll eventually follow.
0: Do you feel confident now that you can show an audience something is funny?
2: I don't know, Stu. I'm trying. I'm trying. I think that if you, the second you start to go, oh, I could do that. You know, I think mm-hmm. that you need a certain amount of fear. I remember Josh talking about that on the show. Just the fear, the fear of God that's in you that it's going to be shit. Yeah. Uh, uh, like you can't really swagger around. I've heard. Is, David is that talking, though?
0: Is that is that what we've got to look forward to? No matter how good we get, no matter how. Um, well, just how good we get, no, no matter how uh, able we are, no matter how experienced we are, what we have to look forward to is still being nervous and still... I mean, do you...
2: Yeah, well, I think definitely the approach is, is really... Uh, take, for, take, for example, Stuart Lee. Uh, his persona, uh, the persona, and it is clear and distinct persona, yeah. of this curmudgeonly comedian who feels the world owes him a living
0: mm-hmm. and
2: he's been overlooked... And it's such a funny character that's within Stuart Lee that uh, now is kind of jarring with where he is in terms of respect.
0: Sure.
2: Because a lot of people don't get that, oh, that's a character, Stuart Lee. That, you know, there, there is that thing of, what well, he's doing really well. How yes. can he carry it's- off this character? He's playing a huge, he, he's not, he, he doesn't have to work for the rest of his life. And the same with, Ricky Gervais, it's like, you know, for a while it was funny, a couple of afters, a little look to the side and then, you know, it doesn't match up after a while, it's like, no you're really successful
0: Sure.
2: that our thing that we have to look forward to is that you, like it's got to come from the bottom, it can't come from the top, you can't be making jokes
0: standing on the top of the mountain um, about about life down below. Sure. I, I absolutely agree with you, but I want to bring this back to you and, and talk in a more specific way about your own experience. I mean, what are you anticipating happening in, in the the future of your career? What what sort of level would you like to get to? What do you think is attainable for you? And what do you think is maybe something that I Just mean? Full is there any p- right? sorry, full- second?
2: this is full disclosure yeah 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 my my career uh and i don't like and i hate talking about career with comedy because you know that's the strings isn't it you have to kind of appear like there's an extent that people don't want to know or give a shit sure that there's a life behind it they want to feel that you rocked into the room and Oh, I got on stage and said, This shit's just coming to me <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, I know what you mean yeah uh
2: so this is jarring for for you to talk about and for certain people to listen to, but the reality and the position of myself and my life at the moment is that I probably went through a period in Ireland where things uh got to a certain level, and there appeared to be a glass ceiling
1: mm-hmm.
2: that I couldn't break through. Uh, without some form of TV that probably was available in 2008 and eight and nine, But when the market fell out and Ireland just crumpled to its knees economically, I come here now to England and pretty much start from the bottom up, like pretty much start from nothing, go back to zero yeah. and start trying to put houses on whatever monopoly board it is that we're playing on, sure. whatever clubs uh, each street is you're just trying trying again in a new in a new place and that is incredibly humbling I'll be honest with you because there is a coziness that you feel when you go to places like New Zealand and among the comics that they're like well you know I play the classic every weekend and it's like there is a you know things are going okay for me I'm making money off jokes sure but you come to London and you come to the UK and there is there's a whole new ladder there's a whole new world and that is the kind of the chat that isn't very sexy in terms of comedy sure but i am i am starting from scratch uh despite the fact that i've got six Edinburgh shows under my belt sure and i am not too proud to go and do the open spot if that's what it takes and show that i've got at least 10 minutes of stuff sure because for me all i'm trying to do and all i ever want to do uh with this is to reach the most amount of people that agree with me as to what is funny. That, that is it, and I really don't think that that's a million miles away from what anyone is at with this, whether they're Stuart Lee, Tim Key, David O'Doherty, Dylan Moran, Russell Howard, or Dane Cook. Mm-hmm. You just wanna find like-minded people mm-hmm. who get what you get. Surely you've had a moment where you're like, "Fuck this! No way! How could oh, this mate, be?"
0: Oh mate, yes, me, me personally, yes, all the
2: time. I, I think that'd be an amazing—that'd be an amazing uh, realm to delve into in each interview, because every comic worth his salt surely experienced a moment where he thought, "Well, even for a split second, fuck this." Yeah. Am I going to really do this? Is this it? That's a question that. You know, as much as Michael Legg likes to dismiss deep conversation about what it is that we do, yeah. you know Michael Legg has been there. He's definitely had that conversation with himself. Sure. And it's fascinating, isn't it? Like that that end of things where you question your ability to go on. Yeah, and is is the like it's the basis of every great movie uh, out there about comeback stories and sure. sports. <laughs> Without that that you can't really fully appreciate it uh, any kind of uh, contentment or uh, pleasure from it you have sure. to certainly anyone who's had it easy anyone who people talk about uh, getting wonder- it easy particularly ricky gervais talking about how well i never really struggled in the clubs like that that's kind of haunted him i think i think there is yeah. a sense that it was certainly for a while maybe not now i don't know who he <laughs> is now but it's uh, some people some people who haven't had a kind of real struggle, yeah, uh, kind of uh, have difficulty squaring the circle of their success. I think at a certain point.
0: Sure. Yes, I think that's certainly. I think that's certainly true. And I just, don't know
2: how interesting that is for the podcast, but
0: no, 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 that's that's all good. Hey, we're still rolling. This is all. Yeah. Good. <laughs> um, I just wonder. Finally, then, how that? What's the connection between getting to a stage where you? you are thinking possibly fuck this and like you were saying before that thing of like um a comedian always wants to give the impression that they've just rocked up to a club and hey this is all easy yeah and and i just wonder if we could maybe tie this in somehow with um with what we talked about about being a nice guy and whether or not there's the you know if you do get permission to go to deeper places like could you imagine ever saying to an audience i've considered quitting comedy
2: Oh yeah, absolutely, and you know why? Because I see the greats do it. I mean, that that thing of that I mentioned of you want to there isn't there is a certain mask that a certain type of audience or audience member wants. They do not want to know about the struggle of being a comedian. They just want to feel that I'm here with the funny guy, mm-hmm. having the laughs. Mm-hmm. But the greats, the greats, the true greats that are regarded as the standard bearers for what it is that we do, have all managed somehow to penetrate that subject of struggle and uh, real darkness in your life. And I include, very much include Jerry Seinfeld in that.
1: Mm. This
2: whole thing of, your life sucks. Your life sucks. Uh, obviously my life sucks a little bit less than yours. But mm. it's such a, it, he, he goes there that like we are not as good as we think we are. Dylan Moran the you never have a your potential is like your bank account, never look at it because you always have less than you think. <laughs> it's it is that penetrating it with those kind of lines is the true challenge, isn't it? That like being feeling that, uh, yeah, I can do my stuff about supermarkets, and as hard as that, a subject that a subject is equally as hard because it's been done so much, sure, absolutely. but they but that is the that is the challenge that's why that's why it's that's why there's so many people trying to do it i think is because it appears easy but it's only after you invest 10 years that you realize this is really hard but should i should i do it and and it come off that sense of achievement is must be immense
0: so just tell us quickly about your Edinburgh show.
2: Very quickly, 5.15 at the Assembly Rooms on George Street, the sister venue of the stand. It's called Di Unchained. <laughs> and uh, it is, it's an hour of stand-up that uh, I think people will like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the opposite of Tom Gleeson there.
0: I think people are going to like it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: So that was Jarlath. I've got some blinding guests coming up over the next couple of weeks. It's just a case of how many I get to before Edinburgh because I'm getting pretty busy with the pre-Edinburgh admin and all the surrounding admin of promoting the show and uh, researching the guests and stuff like that. But thank you very much to Jarlath, especially he was so uh, honest. He was so candid. Those are always my favorite ones. He's such a lovely bloke. And, uh, and he was also, he apologized to me for my sound file corrupting and me having to ring him back on Skype a week later, but I'm very glad I did because we got some really good stuff there. So thanks to him, uh, Thank you, as ever, Dan Melrose and Graham Cropford. And thank you to Ben Lund Conlon, who, as you know, is my skivvy. He's the Comcom Podling and uh, is doing some excellent work for me. So thanks, Ben. Thank you, the listener. Share it. If you like it, share it. That's all I'm asking. See you
1: soon.
2: I hope that's good stuff and it's not too highfalutin.
1: Planning for your next trip?